Tyson Bryden. Welcome to Nonstop Rock Talk. I am your host, Tyson Bryden, coming to you from Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Today, we are happy to welcome singer-songwriter Michael David Wolf. Michael, how's it going, man? I'm doing well, thank you. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. It's, uh, it's a little colder today up here. <laughs> yeah, I'm here too, actually. Yeah. Yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, we had a little bit of snow last night, but uh, generally speaking, it's been pretty mild, so... It has. We've been pretty lucky this winter. I hear next week it's going to be cold again. But you know what? We're at the end of January. We've made it through pretty well so far. So Yeah, so far so good, man. So It's all good. <laughs> now tell me, with the province of Ontario in 28-day lockdown, how are you managing? I'm doing okay. Um, you know, I mean, I'm deemed an essential worker, so I'm, you know, my income hasn't been interrupted or anything like that. Um, it's a little stressful, obviously, because, you know, dealing with people and whatnot. It's, uh, you know, because not everybody has the same ideas about, you know, what should be done. <laughs> Many people. And all that. <laughs> Many. But, uh, you, know, you know, I'm chugging along, like I say. Just, you know, I, I'm not a huge socialite, generally speaking, anyhow. Yeah. So it's not, you know, a major cramp in my style. Um, I do like to travel, which, uh, you know, that's not happening, so. But generally speaking, I'm doing I'm doing okay. You know, I'm doing okay. That's good. I'm, I'm my job too, my full time job. I'm deemed essential as well, so I get to go to work right. every day, and I'm getting paid, which is good. Um, exactly right. I mean, so. I feel I feel horrible for those that aren't. It's uh, I mean, it's got to be a little tough, right? Especially. Yeah. No. Absolutely, man. I just you know I don't even you know I, yeah I don't know what to say. You know. Yeah, I know. It's, it's I'm great. grateful that you know. Like I said, I'm grateful for an uninterrupted income. So, exactly. I mean, exactly. Now, enough of that, of the doom and the gloom, I guess you'd call it, more or less. <laughs> it is yeah. what it is, but uh, yeah. let's talk music. Uh, you've just recently released your second EP in a year entitled Heavy Hopeful. I think the cover Correct. really stands out. It's really cool. Uh, the music's really I great. Um, before we get into the actual material, material, tell me about the title. Was there a personal meaning behind that? Uh, yeah, there, there is, actually. The way that it came about is that when, uh, when, I was in the, when we were in the studio, you know, with you know, Joe Dietz Ransom, um, you know, and he commented how, you know, it's like it's all in major keys. Um, you know, and he's like, well, it's kind of like heavy happy. And right away, I'm like, no, it's heavy, hopeful. Because it's not necessarily happy, but it's hopeful. That's clever. And it just sort of like clicked in my head, like, that's the name of the EP, Heavy Hopeful. And, you know, I really think that it actually defines my sound as well as the EP. You know what I mean? Like, it, you know, I think it's a very soothing name for the EP, you know, when, when you hear the songs and, you know, the subject matter and, and whatnot. But I also think it actually defines my sound in general. Right. It's kind of like you. Like you have hopeful. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's cool. Now tell me about the players on the album. Was it the same as the previous EP Scissor Chief? 
Um, no, not entirely. No, we, we used a different drummer this time, okay. uh, a guy named Joel Carrier. Right. Uh, who was actually uh, originally from Windsor. I live in Windsor yeah. right now. Um, and um, I'm originally from Toronto and ended up in Windsor. And Joel was originally from Windsor and ended up in Toronto. So, <laughs> right. Um, right, yeah. So it's kind of interesting because we know some of the same people, but we had never met before. Um, and, uh, you know, I came into contact with Joel through uh, you know, Dr. Sean, Sean Gregory. Yep. Um, Sean has been friends with Joel's wife since, like, high school. Uh, so, you know, it's one of these, you know, six degrees of separation type deals. Yeah. So when, you know, when I was talking to Sean about, you know, the project and, you know, we, you know who we're going to have and blah, 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 and I was looking for a drummer, you know, he, he recommended Joel and I said, okay, you know, I mean, if, if, if you know, I trust your judgment and, and so Joel came out and played and he fucking nailed it. So, That's cool. you know, it was really good. That's awesome. And of course, you know, Joe D. Taranto, um, you know, played lead guitar on Suzuki, uh, my last EP. Yep. And also played uh, lead guitar on this one, and of course Sean, you know, played bass. Yep. Uh, so it's you know really the drummer. It's only the drummer that changed. Cool. That's cool. Um, it's funny because I just a buddy of mine. We were just talking about Sean a couple of weeks ago. He, I guess, my buddy's band works with, has worked with Sean as well. Um, mm -hmm. They're called Valier. They're from. Oh. Yeah. I know Chad. Yeah. Chad. Actually. Yeah. No small. <laughs> as a matter of fact. Uh, you know, you know, because obviously I'm also the singer of Crawl. Yeah. Um, and so Chad auditioned for Crawl uh -huh. before I got the gig. Uh, and you know they wanted Chad in the band, but Chad wasn't sure if he could commit and whatnot. He said, "I know a guy who happened to be me," and that's how I got the gig. So, and I met Chad years like I don't know, twenty years ago or so. Um, he played in a band called Under Gods. Yep. Uh, and Sean was the drummer, and Chad was the singer. And and that's how I met Chad, you know. So yeah, so, Chad, Chad lives very yeah. close to me, actually. Uh, right. Yeah. So uh, another one of those six degrees of separation. You know? Yeah. There we go again. It's actually the bass player of Valier, Joe Petrelia, who lives. He's in yep. Saga. Him and I were in a band as teenagers together. Right. And that's how Joe and I lost contact for many years, and then somehow, uh, when I started writing for Sleaze Rocks and doing this, we kind of he he sent me an email one day he's like could you do you think you'd mind uh reviewing our ep so of course i did for joe and then joe and i i mean we talk almost every day now so it's kind of funny how how all this these things come together and and it comes together through music right well, of course yeah and i mean i think we spoke about it in the last uh interview you know it really is a small world when it comes to music i mean at some point everybody knows everybody you know what i mean yeah it's crazy. you know it's so funny so now, I must ask, with two EPs in a year, why didn't you put it out as a full-length album? Um, mostly because of finances. <laughs> I, I had a mostly feeling you might say that. Really what it, no, and seriously, that's what it boils down to, is that yeah. I have more than enough material to make a record. Yeah. I could probably make two records, um, you know, where I'm, where I'm at right now, but, you know, the logistics and the finances of making an entire record, you know, like 10, 11 songs, you know, the amount of time it would take. And then, and, and I mean, you know, as it's somebody who's, you know, like solely financed, I mean, I'm a one man show, right? It's not like I'm in a band where everything's split four ways or five ways. I mean, I pay for everything. Yeah. So, you know, and that includes hiring musicians, right? So, yep. so it just made more sense 
to you know sort of put it out in chunks you know and uh, yeah that's that's basically why it, it it came out as you know intervals so to speak that's cool um so in terms of the material on the album i first want to ask about the first cut i am lyrically yep. give me an idea of your thoughts on that song okay so i mean that song is essentially an anti-establishment song cool you know okay it's about you know sort of like you're coming to the realization that i really don't you know when other people zig i tend to zag yeah um you know and i'm not you know i'm not your picket fence you know two-car garage kind of guy you know what i mean even though you know, I've tried to do that and it doesn't work out for me. <laughs> <In there. laughs> uh, right. So yeah. and I sort of came to the realization of like, well, Michael, I mean, this is, you know, it just, it is what it is. And so it was, and, and, and you know, the chorus I wrote, I don't know. If you go through my Instagram page, if you go through my feed, you'll see it somewhere on there as opposed to the lyrics. I think it was, it might've been late 2018 that I wrote the chorus. Right. The lyrics. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the inspiration for that was um, many years ago in my 20s, I lived on Vancouver Island, and I had a band called The Wolf Project. Um, and the drummer, um, he had a, a essentially a bumper sticker, but it was on the inside of his van, and it said, everywhere I go, there I am. You know, and I thought, oh, that's kind of cool, you know what I mean? Because it's, you know, it's, you know, a little bit deep and, you know, meaningful and whatever. And, and it's true, right? I mean, everywhere you go, there you are. I mean, it, you know, you can change locales, but you're still who you are, right? So, yeah. so that's how that was born, you know? And so I just sort of took it from there. Oh, that's cool. Um, now let's get to the clearing. That's a really okay. interesting one because it features, besides yourself singing on it, it also features Lindsay Schoolcraft. Correct. Is that right? Schoolcraft? Um, Schoolcraft, yeah. Schoolcraft, okay. So... Tell me about the song and how she became involved. I, I will add her voice really fits really well with yours. Cool. Thank you. Uh, I thought so too. And I, you know, it was one of those songs where, you know, I mean, lyrically it's, it's a pretty, uh, pretty personal tune, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, but again, it's also about coming to the realization of, you know, who, who you think you could be and who you actually are, you know, as a person, you know? Um, and I really wanted, um, the female perspective, you know, because I thought that, you know, it, 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 it's a universal sort of theme, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and again, I through Sean, because, you know, Sean's like, you know, well, you know, what about Lindsay? About, yeah, absolutely. I mean, because I know Lindsay, because uh, she was a member of Cradle of Filth for a number of years. So I was already a fan of her, you know, so to speak, you know, you know, as a member of Cradle of Filth. That's cool. Uh, and, you know, she's, you know, in the last year or so, I mean, I want to get the timeline wrong, but recently she's embarked on a solo career. Um, and so, you know, Sean reached out to her and, and, and sent her the track and she agreed. And so she came out and sang it and, uh, you know, and again, I mean, she fucking nailed it, right? Like it was yeah. perfect. You know, it, it, I couldn't have, it couldn't have been a better scenario, you know, like, so it's, uh, yeah, it all came together. Yeah. It fits very well. Like I said. Now, Lighthouse, I mean, my first thought, and I wrote this in my Sleaze Rocks review of the album, that it reminds me of the East Coast, but, I mean, that's just because of the title. It's not because... Yeah, fair enough. Right? It doesn't It doesn't sound like anything from the East Coast. It's not like, you know, that East Coast sound that is very traditional, but it, it doesn't sound like that. 
for you as a lyricist, possibly, possibly you can shed some more light on that particular song. So as far as, I mean, the riff of the song was sort of inspired by Queensryche. You know, it was sort of like uh, the thin line or something. It was what sort of came to mind, you know, from Empire. Uh, you know, right? So that's sort of where, you know, I started from. I was like, when I started to play, I was like, oh, that kind of reminds me of Queensryche, you know? Yeah. And, so, but I, and then I just went from there. Uh, and the only reason that I called it Lighthouse I guess is because, excuse me, um, it, the chorus is sort of, I don't know, I guess it's a little bit wordy. There's no, you know, sort of repeating line in the chorus. So I just thought, you know, when you live in a lighthouse, you learn to live with yourself, which again, I think is a very profound sort of statement, you know, because if you think about it, if you live in a lighthouse, an actual lighthouse, you got to learn to enjoy the company. <laughs> Which is yourself. <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly, right? So, yeah. so yeah, so that's how that came about. I mean, it, just, it was just like Lighthouse. and like, okay, well, it's sort of a, you know, a, uh, an identifiable thing, and, it, you know, it has sort of a, a double meaning and, you know, that sort of stuff, right? So that's how that came about. Now, the last track, which is uh, Take Two Eyes. That's a cool title, by the way. Um Love your vocal delivery in both the verse and the chorus. When working with producer uh, Sean Gregory, how much input does he have in regards to your vo vocal delivery, or does he kind of let you run with it? No, I mean, I, you know, he he just lets me know. There's no, you know, when Sean and I work together, it's not like he's like, oh, you should try this, or you should do that, or you should, you know, he just takes what I got, and, you know, for him, for the production side of things, is more about maybe finding, you know, EQing the sounds a little bit and, and you know, sort of uh, adding little sprinkles of like, oh, let's put this little, you know, this, this sound here or this little bit here, or, you know what I mean? But really, you know, he, he's just, he, he's been recording music for so long. I mean, the dude knows what a rock sound sounds like, right? Yeah. So that's kind of his role when we work together is that, you know, he's really just defining the sound of, you know, of the song, but it's not as if, you know, he's trying to guide it in a certain direction or whatever. Right. Right. That's cool. Now, now getting to the lyric, the lyrical section, the lyrical portion, whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. I'm curious to hear your take on this one as well, because that, that is an interesting title. Yeah. Okay. So I'll be honest. I wrote that song in 2009. Wow. Um, so it's been around. Yeah, it's been around. and But it was one of those things where, you know, I, you know, I was living in Toronto at the time. And uh, I guess, I mean, you know, I wrote it because I, I wasn't, I guess I was feeling like I, I wasn't where I wanted to be in my career. Right. You know, you know, like musically speaking, I wasn't really you know, at a place where I wanted to be. But again, being hopeful and trying to pat talk myself, um, you know, it's like, well, it takes two eyes to see my friend, you know, yeah. you know, you can look at it this way or you can look at it that way kind of thing. Right. So, and, um, so I, you know, and I, I wanted a fourth song, um, you know, because Syzygy uh, was a three-song EP, you know, and Syzygy meaning the alignment of three celestial bodies, so that, that's kind of where that title came from. Yeah. But I wanted a fourth song. Um, 
And so I thought, well, you know what? I think that just lyrically, I think that it's sort of, you know, poignant for the times. And I think it's a cool song. Um, so, you know, we just sort of like remixed it, remastered it, reimagined it. And there it is. You know? Oh, that's cool. Now, now my next question, this may be a stupid question because... Well, that is true. I asked this question the other, the other night and the artist was kind of like, well, you know, we're in a lockdown, right? But um, I mean, in terms of promoting the album, I guess I, I would assume once uh, lockdown is over and hopefully the bars are open again, you will get it and play. Yeah, I would. I'd love to. I mean, <laughs> as a matter of fact, um, you know, uh, around this time last year, mm. you know, or maybe just the end of 2018 heading into 20, uh, sorry, the end of 2019 heading into 2020, I was thinking, yeah, I need to get out, you know, and started playing some acoustic gigs and, you know, and really sort of, you know, get this thing rolling. Yeah. And of course, then, COVID. you know, pandemic times and, and everything got shut down and, and whatnot. So absolutely. I mean, if, you know, when things are, you know, opening up a little bit and I'm able to get out there and, and start playing live, I definitely will be doing, you know, like, uh, acoustic solo gigs. Cool. Okay. I'd like to do some full band gigs, but again, the logistics there with, I mean, there's no shortage of, uh, talent or, uh, you know, that I could, that, you know, that I could, you know, take out of my realm, so to speak. But then it's the logistics of you know being able to rehearse and and get ready and 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 timing and being able to compensate you know the the, the musicians and whatnot. So ho- hopefully, <laughs> yeah, bring that word up again. Yeah, um, you know I'll be able to do some full band type shows. Uh, but I, you know, I anticipate being more just doing like sort of promotional acoustic solo type gigs. You know. Oh, which will be great. As far as life I mean, yeah, and that's, I mean, that's a good way to get out there and promote yourself and, you know, acoustic right. or electric or whatever, whatever way you can, right? Yeah. But I mean, I mean, you know, since the EP, uh, I released it online October 30th of 2020. Yeah. Excuse me. And then since then, you know, I've been promoting it online. You know, through Facebook and YouTube and all, you know, the, the digital avenues, if you will. Uh, and it, it, I'm getting good responses, you know, it's, it's going well. So, you know, I really can't complain in, in that regard. I mean, obviously, it's always good to play live. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, But, you know, in, in the current situation, I'm making the best of it and I'm pushing it as hard as I can online and... Uh, and reaching out to people and networking and all that sort of good stuff. And so far, so good. You know, I mean, I, you know, fingers crossed, knock on wood, all the responses so far have been positive. So I'm hopeful. I really am. I mean, that's all I can say. It's been going well. And I can't complain, you know, about, you know, the responses that I've been getting and, and, and the way that it's, it's going. So, um, you know, onward and upward and, and, I'm grateful. I really am. We should make mention that if for anybody interested in listening to it, that you have your own YouTube page that uh, mm-hmm. that you can subscribe to and listen to the EP, which is on there. And, uh, yeah. 
Yeah. Absolutely. And actually, the Syzygy, uh, the three songs from last year, are also on there. Yes. So yeah. you have to click on videos to see them, though. Oh, okay. You know what? And I didn't find them there. That's why I was looking. Yeah, because it's, right. Because if you go, if you search Michael David Wolf in YouTube, it'll take you to, you know, uh, that page, which was, you know, because it was released digitally through DistroKid. Right. So it creates an artist page. Okay. So, enable you know to to be able to see everything that's there. You have to click on videos, okay. and then it'll show you everything that's on that page. But if you just go to the page, you're going to see the most recent four songs. So. Okay, okay, that's cool. Now, this morning I had to listen to our first interview, and I was kind of curious to hear what we had, what you and I had talked about musically. Because right. I, yeah. I mean, I've done so. I mean, since then, that was episode twenty-two of season one, and I'm on. Right. I did 57 episodes in season one, and now I'm, I think you're the 14th, 15th episode of season Right. So, yeah, good for you, man. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank That's you very awesome. much. I'm, it, it's, yeah. it's very exciting. I've been, uh, I've been pretty busy lately, which has been great. But um, as I was listening to it, of course, we discussed Kiss, which brings me to a right. recent, recent point that Gene Simmons made. Again, he's come out and said rock is dead. How do you feel about that statement? I, I mean, for myself, I totally disagree. Yeah, I mean, my first response is I also totally disagree. I mean, but if if you sort of look at it through the, or at least attempt, you know, to look at it through the Gene Simmons lens, yeah, you know, somebody who came up, uh, you know, in, you know, probably the late 60s, you know, early 70s or whatever, when things were much, much different. You know, mm-hmm. there. You know, I, I, way like so much different. Like there was no social media. No, they didn't have computers. They didn't. You know, you know what I mean. Like it was yeah. so different. It was very. It was so different. So you know, the idea of a band that gets together and rehearses in the garage and mom makes spaghetti and you know, and they come up and they play the bars and they you know and they do all that sort of stuff and you know like they're this actual thing. That explodes. Yeah. Yeah, that is probably, you know, very rare, if rare. at all. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, you know, so from that point of view, then I can say, yeah, yeah you know, I agree. Uh, but in from a m- point of view of music, absolutely not. Like, absolutely not. There's a, like, fuck, man, there's a ton of great music out there. Tons of it. Totally. You know? And I mean, I'm one of those people that is always online looking for new music or, or stumbling across new music and I'm just like, wow, this is fucking great. You know what I mean? Like, so I mean, I, yeah. So I would, I would have to disagree in the sense of, you know, rock is not dead, but I would agree that, you know, the way that Gene Simmons knew it. Yeah. That's those days are gone. I think, yeah, I think, I think part of his statement where people may not understand fully what he is meaning is I think he's talking in mainstream terms and the fact of popularity where, where dance music and pop music and country music is more popular than rock. But, oh, absolutely. Right. Sure. But I think there's so much rock music out there, and there's people like ourselves that still love rock music. And no matter what, we don't care if it's on the radio. We're going we're gonna to find it anyways. Yeah. You know what I mean? Exactly. So, yeah, absolutely. So I don't think it's dead, but... That's, I mean, that's his opinion, and he's Gene Simmons, and we all know that he will always give his opinion. 
Yeah, and let's be honest, I mean, to say something like that is controversial, so like, hey, you and me are talking about it now, so exactly. hey, you know, we've mentioned Jim Simmons ten times now, yeah. so, you know. Uh-oh, we might have to pay him. <laughs> right? Right? Now, you, you get what I'm saying, right? Yeah. So it's like, you know, yeah. say something like that that's controversial and, you know, you know, it's, it's going to spark conversation, right? So, exactly. you know, and clearly... You know, Gene and Paul are, you know, they're pretty savvy, savvy businessmen, so. Exactly. He says, Gene, they're both smart men, so, mm-hmm. you know, you know, possibly that comment is a, is a good conversation piece. Now. Exactly. It's insightful. Exactly. But not with the S. <laughs> yes, exactly. Now, I there's a few random questions that I want to ask, and I've never done this on my show, but because of our last right. conversation, as I met, as, as, as I was going through it, I was like, you know what, this would be kind of cool. Um, now the first question I do ask on occasion to artists occasionally, it's kind of a tip of the hat to, uh, the three sides of the coin podcast. And they, so I'm kind of stealing this from them, but I, I always think this is a great, <laughs> this is a good conversation that they have. So question one, did Vinnie Vincent save Kiss? I, 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 I don't, I don't think so. To be honest, I don't think so. I mean, he may have, but Kiss is still Kiss. Yeah. You know what I mean? Even if if they, you know, sort of didn't have any, you know, more success in the 80s or whatever, they still have their legacy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, they'd still... So true. They'd still be Kiss, you know what I mean? They'd still, you know... Yeah, I think... I think where people always, you know, that, that debate comes from the fact that Lick It Up and Taking Off the Makeup and Vinnie wrote, Vincent wrote, what, eight of those ten songs on that album? That yeah. Kind yeah of well, Desmond Child wrote some of their songs, too. Or, or, What's that? <laughs> or, or possibly Jim Valance, you know? I mean, yeah. I say Desmond Child worked with them, you know? Yeah, I don't exactly. know if Jim Valance was them or not, but, you know, these, you know, sort of, like, you know, big-name writer guys, you know what I mean? Uh, Anybody, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, I think Gene and Paul saved Kiss. Yeah, well, except they knew what to do at the right time, right? Right, and because I mean, ultimately, it was their choice to have Vinny in the band in the first place. So, you know, although they've regretted, you know, that's right. (laughs) A few times, exactly. They've they've regretted it a couple times. So, yeah, well, I don't know. But, you know, well, boo-hoo. I mean, yeah. I'm sorry, yeah, such an illustrious career. Well, exactly. All right. So, next question. Kiss makeup or non-makeup? From a visual point of view, makeup. Okay. From a sound point of view, I I dug what they did, you know, when they were unmasked. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And that's all I got. Okay, no, that's cool. Uh, best Kiss guitarist besides Ace Frehley? Uh, Bruce Keeler. Yeah, good answer. Sammy Hager or David Lee Roth? Sammy Hager. Sorry, Dave. <laughs> bon Scott or Brian Johnson? Bon Scott, absolutely all the fucking way. Bon was one of the first influences on me vocally. That's cool. Favorite Motley Crue album? Shout of the Devil. Awesome. Aerosmith, 70s or 80s? Ah, I'm in the 90s, actually. Pump was my favorite record from Aerosmith. Oh, okay. Okay. Most underrated. <laughs> no, that's cool. Most underrated 80s band. Oh, most underrated 80s band. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. There's so many of them. <laughs> right? Yeah. There is a few of them. 
<sighs> I caught you off guard on this one. Sorry. A little bit, yeah, because now I'm thinking about it. I'm like, okay. Most underrated 80s band. Oh. We can come back to that one. Think about that for a minute. Uh, you know what? Actually, the very first one that came to mind was Trickster. Oh, okay. so I'm going with Trickster. Yeah, good band. I like Trickster. Because okay. I mean, you know, whatever they were, like you know, they were clearly like a very talented band. You know, for as young as they are, or oh, yeah. as they were, rather. Yes. You know? Yeah, it's crazy. And um, I mean, I I actually uh, spoke with Steve Brown, guitar Steve Brown, in the summer, and yeah. He actually admitted to me that he they did not like the sound of that first album. They right. they did not like it at all because right because they were being guided by the record company and whatever else, right? Yeah, and they felt like the record company made it sound like a garage band. I never got that from him, and I never thought that. But but then going back and listening to it now, I can I can hear why he feels that way. It's kind of weird. So, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so Ozzy or Deal? Are we talking Sabbath or are we yeah. just talking in general? Well, let's. I mean, we can we can do both. Doesn't matter. Okay. Okay. When it comes to Sabbath, I mean, Ozzy is was Sabbath. Yeah. Um, but in general, what I prefer to listen to, Dio. I'm the same. I'm the same. Yeah. And that changed over the years, to be honest with you. Okay. And I mean, I love what Dio did with Sabbath. You know, like yeah, Mob too. Rules, yeah. Element Hell, come on. Fucking like, awesome. Yes. But if you want to talk like Sabbath, you know, it's got to be Aussie. You it's got to be Aussie, yes. All right. Uh, two more English bands, Judas Priest or Iron Maiden? Maiden. Absolutely. Maiden. Also, Bruce Dickinson, a huge influence on me. Okay, cool. Uh, New Jersey bands, Bon Jovi or Skid Row? Oh, ah. it's like Skid Row's like Bon Jovi's little brother, you know? That's right. I mean, it yeah. was, I mean, you know, Skid Row, you know, it was Bon Jovi that discovered Skid Row. That's so, right, yeah. Um, that's hard. That's hard. It is a hard <laughs> um, but, I know, I agree. You know, I mean, I, I love Bon Jovi. They've done great things. Um, but I'm going to have to go with, I'm going to have to go with Skid Row, actually, because um, Sebastian Bach, fucking... Like you know, a powerhouse, right? And I actually had the chance to. I met Rob Lafuso and uh, Dave Sabo in Vancouver. Um, randomly, I was walking down Granville, and uh, or sorry, pardon me. I was standing in line for a movie theater on Granville, and they came walking up the street. Cool. And uh, I'm like, "Hey, Rob, how are you doing?" They look at me like. You recognize us? Like, yeah, you guys like you know whatever. I, I believe they were they were in town. Uh, they were recording. Uh, what's that record called? Subhuman uh, race. Yes, subhuman race. Thank you. Yes. I was seeing the cover it was like a blue cover. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, so they were in town recording that record, and went, so that was cool. You know, just randomly meet them, and they were like kind of shocked that some lucky guys in Vancouver, Canada, you know, whatever. Cool, man. But uh, yeah, but and I was a huge fan of Skid Row, right? So. So yeah, I'm gonna have to see Ron that one. And out of nowhere, there they are. That's cool. All right, uh, look what the cat dragged in or night songs. Two Pennsylvania bands. Night songs. Nice. I, I gotta be honest, I've never been a fan of Poison. I mean, they have catchy songs and whatever. Um, but yeah, I 
my favorite record with them was with Richie Cobbs and, and we all know how that ends up. So. Love that album. Very good album. So, so the next answer, I already know this one. Uh, open up and say ah uh, or long cold winter. Yeah, long cold winter. Yeah. All right. Uh, fifty one fifty or eat them and smile. Oh. Hmm. Huh. Wow. I'm gonna go fifty one fifty. Cool. Okay. Uh, self titled or slave to the grind. Slave to the grind, man. Cool. That record. Yeah, that like fuck. I wore that out. I'm sure I I wore the music right off that cassette. Cool. That's, <laughs> I think I did too, man. So on um, both of them. All right, pyromania or hysteria? Oh, I'm gonna go pyromania. Um, the very the very first rock shirt, quote unquote, that I ever had was pyromania. I'd never seen you know Death Leopard or whatever. I don't know. I was probably nine years old or something. Um, but that was the very first, you know, sort of like baseball tee, you know, with the black body and the white sleeves. That was the very first shirt I ever owned. Uh, it was like a band shirt. It was Pyromania. That's cool. That's cool. Okay. So uh, hopefully you get this one. Hopefully. I mean, I didn't make this too hard and I don't think I did. Mechanical resonance or the great radio controversy. Uh, Both great. Uh, okay. I'm Okay. We're talking Tesla here. Yep. Um, and I'm, to be honest with you, I'm not a huge fan. I think I think it was Mechanical Resonance, the the, the the you know the cassette that I wore out in my Walkman on that one. Okay. It had like uh, uh, My Sweet Paradise and oh, that's that's great radio controversy. It is okay. So yeah. pardon me, that great radio controversy. Cool. Both great albums. Both really good albums. And and. And you know what? If I had to answer that, I would say the Great Radio Controversy as well because I wore the crap out of that as well. Yeah, yeah. No, I was yeah. No, I was like huge fan of Tesla. You know, at the time. Yeah. Forgive me for not knowing the album title. That's okay. That's okay, man. <laughs> I mean, I'm for, I'm just I'm throwing this stuff at you. You're like, holy cow. Okay, so Slippery When Wet or New Jersey? I'm gonna go with Slippery When Wet. Cool. Because again, that was sort of like. What turned me on to Bon Jovi, right? Yeah, yeah, me too. I, I would probably. I, I, I remember being on a. Again, I lived, you know, on Vancouver Island when I was uh, a teenager, and I remember listening to Slippery When Wet on a on a ski trip. Right. You know, like a like a school field trip, right? Yeah. Sitting on the bus and just listening to that over and over and over and over. And also, Seven Son of a Seven Son. So there you yeah, go. Great album too. I remember a guy. Uh, that I went to public school with. I was in grade seven when that album came out and it was the last day before Christmas vacation. And it, it was, it must've been mild out because this guy had this like huge, huge radio and he was walking down the street. He was one of my classmates and he was walking down the street with let it rock cranked, you know, that keyboard intro cranked at, at like nine o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Walking down the street with this organ thing going on before Let It Rock. That's how big of an impact that album, I think, for for all my classmates, like all the guys that I went to school yeah. with, that was the album, right? Was it at that time, which was so funny. So That's that, awesome. That would be mine, too. Okay, so this this might be a little bit of a stretch, a weird one. Vinnie Vincent Invasion or Fraley's Comet? 
I'll go with Flynn's comment. I would say the same thing. All right, last one. And this is this is actually a three three person or three whatever you want to call it. Randy Rhodes, Jakey Lee, or Zach Wild? Well, I mean, come on, man. That's that's a loaded question because I mean Randy is like Randy. It's Randy, exactly, right? I mean, you know, he there wouldn't, uh, there really wouldn't be a Jakey Lee or a Zach Wild if there was no Randy Rhodes. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Um, but they're, I think they're all phenomenal guitar players. You know, agree. So, uh, given that that Jake and Zach are still with us, if I had to choose one of them, I'd go with Jake. Between Jake and Zach. But Randy is obviously the man, you know. Yeah, it's you know what? It's funny when you think of you think of Ozzy in the eighties and the three guitar players he had kind of defined what he was in the eighties, right? Yeah. And then as time went on, Zach would leave, he'd come back. But the guys who followed, you know, like he had he's had Gus G and he's had Joe Holmes and I think he's probably had numerous other guys. Nobody mm-hmm. really Nobody really pays that much much attention to it, but in the eighties, whoever Ozzy had playing for him, we we paid attention. And and I must mention Brad Gillis for that short time as well, too. Yeah, for sure. And he had the toughest job on the fucking planet, right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> I mean, he had to come in and yeah, and be Randy basically. Yeah. So yeah, that's that was that would not be no wonder he didn't stay. You can see why he wouldn't. You know, that's I mean, and he had Night Ranger as well, so. Exactly. So, I mean, but yeah, no, that would be, yeah, that would be the toughest gig, like on the on the planet. You know what I mean? That it would. Yes, exactly. Oh, that was great, man. Thanks. <laughs> I threw that yeah, all out. Well, thank you. Yeah. Thanks for thanks for having me. Oh, no problem, man. No, I mean, throwing all those questions at you as well. Like, thanks for answering them, and I just, uh, I, I kind of. Oh, my pleasure. I thought it was it would be kind of a little bit of a fun thing too. So, and uh, yeah, absolutely. Hopefully, when my listeners, some of the listeners, listen to it, and they go, they 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 might want to hear what you have, to, what your opinion is on it too, right? So it's all good. But yeah, for anyway, sure. Anyways, I I wish you the best of luck on the EP because I mean I really dig it. I think it was I think it's amazing. And, Thanks, man. And, I appreciate that. And hopefully, I'm sure. I'm sure we'll have you on again. I'd love that too. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, I you know I've got some plans for for this year for mm-hmm. later this year. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm thinking I'm probably going to put out some cover songs. Oh, cool. Okay. Um, you know, just because, um, like I said, I've got enough material. I could do another EP. I could do an, I could do a full record. I could you know, but I kind of want to get. A, as much traction as I can off of heavy also. Right. Uh, rather than just constantly like bombarding people with new music, new music, new music. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so that's kind of what I figure is that, yeah, this year, at some point this year, I'm, I'll probably release at least one cover song, maybe a few. Okay. Cool. Okay. Well, I'll be- and, uh, if things open up, I'll, you know, get out there and do some, uh, some solo gigs and, and, and whatnot. Cool. Okay. Well, I'll be, I mean, I'll be watching out for the solo gigs and hopefully, hopefully, I mean, you're not that, you're only four hours from me. So, I mean, if I, yeah, and, um, yeah, it's, you know, I mean, I, I have, you know, connections, uh, 
in the GTA as well. So I, I can see myself, you know, doing things in the GTA as well as is down here. So cool. okay, well, let me know, and uh, I mean, absolutely, and I wish you the best of luck, man. Thank you, sir. Okay, have a great night, and we'll uh, we'll talk soon. Sounds good. Okay, right on. Thanks, Tyson. Cheers. Thank you. Cheers. Take